Welcome back for another episode of Die Hard Minute. I'm Rob from Titanic Minute. I'm joined by my co-host, Joe. Good evening, good morning, good whatever. Uh, we're here to break we're here. down. We're back, Joe. <laughs> we're back to talk about Die Hard. Minute 112 today. In this minute, Johnson and Johnson arrive in their helicopters. Um... So, Joe, it gets more complicated now for us. We have four different things happening in this minute. Um, we have Carl and John fighting on the roof. We have Johnson and Johnson in their helicopters. We have Yuli ushering everyone up to the roof. And we have Hans and Holly. Um, so let's start with Carl and John. Well, they're not on the roof. Did I say they were on the roof? Yeah. Oh, no, they're not Canceled. on the roof. All right, mute your mic. <laughs> Unsubscribed. Mute your mic. <laughs> uh, Carl and John, uh, at the end of the last minute, Carl had uh, had lost the higher ground when he jumped on top of John. He, he was in control of this fight. He had kicked him into these pipes that they left laying around. Um, and uh, he let his, Joe, he let his emotions get the best of him. How so? Well, he's angry about his brother, Tony, and he's in control of this battle, and he could have just stayed above him like he was. He could have grabbed the gun that had gotten away. He had a lot of choices, and he said, jump down on him and started punching him, at which point John is able to spin him around and take control, and he pounds his head into the pipes two times. <laughs> So uh, just a classic McLean move, just get the absolute holy hell beaten out of you. Yep. Take about eight direct blows to the head. Mm-hmm. But hey, you just got to wait for your opportunity. He's just setting him up. He's setting him up. And he knows he knows to use that emotion against him because he starts mentioning how, you know, how, how Carl's brother squealed when he broke his neck. Yeah, that's not nice. Uh, he he's just using it against him. He's he knows he's outmatched as a as a fighter, so he's like, if I can just get him to be emotional, I have a chance here. That's my reading into this. I just thought it was kind of funny how minute to minute as we go through our week, like the the t- the tenor of the not the tenor, but so, sort of the, this fight changes dramatically from minute to minute, where in terms of who's winning. Yeah. Like, it's not a back-and-forth battle, really. It's just one person is either, you know, delivering blows that would cause a traumatic brain injury, probably, <laughs> in a non-movie setting, and then it just switches back to the other guy. Yeah, and also, it almost happens, like, on the minute, too, Yeah, for us. I know, it's wild. Um, then we have, uh, well, before I move on, do you have anything else on Carl and John? Um... No, well, I do, but we'll wait till the next time we see them fighting, so tomorrow or something. Okay. So now we have Johnson & Johnson, our FBI agents. <laughs> um, <laughs> Johnson which, & Johnson. Um, they took a break from selling baby oil. To... <laughs> and uh, the FBI isn't portrayed in the best way in this movie. Um, which is probably not unfair. If you, and, why, what is with that in movies? Like every single movie with hostage, like a hostage scenario, the FBI is just always just absolutely loathed and totally callous. Why is that? I think what what happens is is you know whatever our whatever our hero is from 
everyone else has to be against it, right? So the hero's a police officer, so the FBI is problematic. But, like, if in a movie the FBI is, like, you know, an FBI officer is a hero, then it's always, like, the local police or sheriff that's just, like, a nightmare to deal with. But it seems like it's usually... In, yeah, it seems it's usually the FBI that is is loathed. Yeah. I think it's because movie productions need police officers uh, in order to shoot a film. You have to have the cooperation of your local police department. You don't need the oh. FBI. Although, Joe, they do have to have that FBI logo on at the beginning when it goes to home video. Maybe yeah, they're pretty, mad about that. Pretty hypocritical, in my opinion, to count on the FBI to protect you from pirates. <laughs> than to just drag them during your entire movie late yeah like later on johnson johnson just got moved to like video piracy that's what they end up like that was what they had to do someone should do a study like what are the most pirated films and does it happen to be the ones that portray the fbi negatively and they just kind of turn a blind eye to it i like that that would be a great scandal (laughs) It, it, it would only be like the maybe 80th weirdest thing the fbi has done <laughs> um we kind of have this pretty cool sequence of these uh helicopters flying through the city um i'm yeah. assuming some of this is i think some of this might be actual helicopters flying but some of it's got to be model work too right you would think i don't know um well I will say this. I tried listening to the commentary on this movie, and the best thing that we're doing uh, as this uh, minute-by-minute group going through this is you can find out things this way rather than listening to the commentary because, oh, woof, is it boring. Uh, yeah, I didn't listen to much of it, but it's um, it, it's not pretty dry. Um, so the big thing that Johnson Johnson talk about here <laughs> is they talk about breakage. And they sort of say, like, you know, what do you think the breakage would be? And he's like, assuming they'd lose 20 to 25% of the hostages, tops. If there are 30 hostages, which is, I think, what the number is, right? Um, We're talking, like, six people. Yeah, that's... I don't think that any uh, person dealing with a hostage crisis would be comfortable with losing 20 to 25% of the hostages, you got it. You got to be under like you, you're. It's like it's like it's uptime, right? Like you're looking for ninety nine point nine percent uptime. You want you, it, you it's want just that such, much survival. It, even by like sort of movie logic, it's kind of stunning. <laughs> like usually, I mean, obviously, I don't expect realism or anything, but uh, yeah, twenty to twenty five percent that jumped out at me quite a bit. I, 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 I mean, think, if it includes that cokehead dude, then that doesn't really count. That's true, that's but he's already one. dead. He's already oh, that's dead. right. He's already dead. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I mean, they're, the Johnson Johnson are incredibly callous <laughs> and and almost like shoot to the top of the villain ranking in this movie <laughs> with the, with just like their interactions, especially the, the, old, the older guy, especially bad. Um, and then I guess we sort of learn that if they had, I guess what I forget when I, when I watch this movie and then I watching it minute by minute is it's all set up so that the uh, hostages go up there and the FBI shows up. They already know the FBI is not actually bringing transports that they're probably going to gun them down, um, that they're just going to blow the roof here and kill everyone. Mm-hmm. Classic. It's a, it's a, that's a, that's a villain move is what that is. 
Well, um, I mean, so they're going to kill 100% of their own hostages, and the FBI was just going to kill 25% of them. So, so all things considered. <laughs> good guys. <laughs> um, so they're going to shoot all these guys from the helicopters? That's the idea. They're going to go Have up they there. seen the thing? You can't shoot anything out of a helicopter. Well, that was a wolf. An alien wolf. Well, that's true. That must be why. Um, I mean... Also, like, how would they... The other problem with this is they have no idea. They have absolutely no clue on who the bad guys are, right? Like, they don't... They're just looking for people with guns? Uh, this is a yeah, bad plan, FBI. Well, they, what they were going to do is uh, send them some kind of, like, taunting message first, so then all the terrorists would get mad and shoot into the sky. And then <laughs> What's they would dangerous be able to when they're in a helicopter? The bad guys were. <laughs> True. That's what should have happened is when... When Han shot up in the sky, it just took the helicopter down randomly. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> uh, so we have Yuli here. Uh, Yuli is the uh, is the guy ushering everyone to the roof. Uh, quite a character. He's uh, one of his few lines he has here when he's just telling everyone to move it. I believe that might be his only lines in the movie. Um, but I have some fun facts about him, Joe. Okay. He is played by Al Yong, L-E-O-N-G, so I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, uh, who is mostly a stuntman, so that's why he uh, doesn't have many lines, essentially, because he's a stuntman, but also an actor. He looks really familiar. He sure does, Joe, because he was in the following movies. Are you ready? Uh, yes. He was in Lethal Weapon as Endo. Okay. He was in Big Trouble in Little China as the Hatchet Man. Yeah, in the early yes. that's what I recognized him from. Okay. Um, so you combine Lethal Weapon, Big Trouble in Little China, and Die Hard. That's quite a run in the in the mid to late eighties for him. It's pretty much as good as it gets. Um, and then he tops it off. He doesn't just stop at Die Hard. He combines that and all these roles. Joe. He also played Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> that yes. Okay. <laughs> The, the Big Trouble in Little China and and Bill and Ted's, that's what I definitely recognize him from. Yep. Uh, and over at uh, Tombstone Minute, we bring up uh, Deadwood a lot. He was also in Deadwood for one episode as, and I hate to say this, he was the laundry man in an episode of Deadwood. Well, <laughs> we didn't make it. Yes, we didn't make it. Um, and now we move to the last part of our... Uh, of our scenes going on this week. We have Hans and Holly. They're in the safe room. Uh, Theo has broken open the safe. I want to, I know everyone else has probably talked about Theo, but he is the best criminal of everyone on this team. Would you agree? Yeah. He's, I mean, he's got an earpiece so you can tell that he's a pro. <laughs> That's right. He means business. Uh, early Bluetooth. <laughs> uh, he also has a great sweater, and I believe he survives in this movie. I don't. Th I think he's one of the few terrorists that does not uh, uh, have his fate met in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, he, and this has been discussed, I'm sure, by uh, other teams. But Joe, you uh, you mentioned last yesterday that. Uh, you are rooting for Hans, and I'm wondering if you root for Hans because ultimately, outside of the plan to kill all 30 people on the roof, ultimately what his plan is to steal from this major corporation, the Nakatomi, Nakatomi Corporation. 
yeah, I think that <laughs> I kind of am extremely suspicious of this corporation, and I would like to know, I'd like to get a look at their books. Well, I agree. I, I think a great Die Hard sequel would just be like going back and having someone do an audit, an IRS audit of this corporation. Well, I agree. Just, I want to just, I want to stare at somebody looking through their files for two hours and making disapproving looks and jotting down notes. Well, I think that's a good point because the whole plot on this is Hans Gruber and his United Nations of terrorists are stealing bearer bonds. Mm-hmm. Like heat. Yeah. Why would the Nakatomi Corporation have so much money in bearer bonds? Great question. Um, according to Wikipedia, which is always correct, mm-hmm. they've historically been the financial instrument of choice for money laundering, tax evasion, and concealed business transactions. So, so basically, I- this is actually a movie about a cop um, arresting Robin Hood. <laughs> Um, maybe, yeah, that could be. So everyone that works for that corporation, one of them is a lying cokehead. Yeah. Another person is trying to destroy her family. <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> and and this and and uh, Hans Gruber is simply trying to expose a an international corporation for its role in a, all manner of white collar crimes. We, I mean, also let's let's go back to the very beginning of the movie there's this Christmas party and um, you know there was some stuff happening in one of those rooms when the terrorists showed up between uh, two of the patrons that's not entirely ethical to be going on at work indeed I, I I'm it's problematic but you know this is just a relic of the, the uh, greed is good 80s that's true that's true it's just at the end of it um, and apparently I was, I, I, I heard that for bearer bonds, you don't even need, like, if you have a bearer bond, like by possessing it, it's yours. Like you don't have to do anything else. Like there's no, it's not a bearer bond is not out to you. It's just like a piece of paper that has a value that once you like have, money. you can, yeah, you like <laughs> money. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's questionable. The Stockatomi Plaza is... You know, listen, I don't think everyone deserves to die that works there, but I think I think uh, this I, is some dirty work happening here. I think McLean should have just heard Hans Gruber out. <laughs> we never had a... Ch- well, I guess it's true. He, he, they have been talking. They could have they just worked through it. <laughs> die Hard is about the radicalization of, of a New York City cop. Yeah, it's about the it's about the one percent. <laughs> um, Occupy Nakatomi Plaza. I uh, will say one other thing about this minute, especially combine this minute and yesterday. Uh, I haven't seen so many lens flares since most DJ Abrams movies. Lots of lens flares, lots of light shining directly into the camera. And all Hans Gruber is trying to do is shine some light on this company's <laughs> shady business dealings. <laughs> And then John McClane's oafish ass hat gets in the way. <laughs> oh, well. Now that we've took it that way, do you do you have anything else for uh, for minute one twelve? No, just 
I just urge everybody to remember Hans Gruber. Remember, he could have prevented the 2008 financial collapse. (laughs) He tried to. He tried to. That's what he was doing here. He could see the recession. I think there was a recession in '91 as well, right? '91 and like 2001. He's he could have prevented multiple recessions that we had to live through. Indeed. Well, this one's out for you, Hans Gruber. Um, all right. Well, uh, you could uh, find out more about Die Hard Minute at dieHardMinute.com. Follow Twitter, Facebook, rate and review, uh, and on iTunes. And, hey, you know, if you like us, TitanicMinute.com. We're, we're over there doing stuff with our good friend Duff. And we will be back tomorrow. Joe. Are we going to have a guest tomorrow? We traditionally do this. I think we should, right? Yeah, should let's see? do it. I, I think see. it's going to get amped amped up for sure. Yeah, I can like... This man got, always brings the energy. Yeah, I've got like a can of cat food I can shake and see if I can get someone to come in and uh, and uh, record with us tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 113. Tell me you got that. I got it, I got it. Hit your heart on Channel 5.